Yeah, it's funny for me this morning, obviously about to head off on sabbatical, so I'll be away for the next three months. And um, there's, a, there's a temptation for me then to, to preach really well so you guys miss me. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but really, um, but of course I come back to really my, my role is to open up God's word, because that's what's powerful, that's what, that's what changes lives. And so let me take a moment to pray. Father, um, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would use it by your spirit to connect with hearts and minds here this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start by taking us into a key issue in this passage for today. And that's the difference between being taken captive, in verse 8, which I'll come to, between take, being taken captive or living in the fullness of what we are and have in Christ. Now, this passage is very much um, directed at those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus. And yet at the same time, I want to say that there may be many of us here this morning that, that haven't yet made that choice. In which case, let me just be clear that in what I describe and what I talk about this morning, I hope you'll hear something of the goodness of what it means to follow Jesus, of what's available to us. Now, the thing is, though, is that as Christians, we're all invited to this fullness in Christ that I'll come on to. However, for many of us, we don't really live in that. We get taken captive, we get, or we get stuck somewhere in between, between what's, what, what's and, and don't really find what's available to us. Okay, so that's, I'm gonna, let me take us into that a little bit more first. And then I'm going to come back to verses 6 and 7, which have some really significant things that might be helpful for you as you grow in your faith. Okay? And so by setting this up, first of all, let me say that what you think matters. There are many things, many things today that might pressure us to say that what we think doesn't matter. Right? Um, topics like tolerance or living in a multicultural society or postmodernism all push us to say that everyone can have their own viewpoint and all viewpoints are equally valid. I, but realize something here. I don't think every viewpoint is equally valid. In fact, some viewpoints I would even label as toxic. And that's what we come to here in verse 8. When it says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. And the notice the phrase here, no one takes you captive. Like these are strong words. This is military language. See to it that no one kidnaps you or you're not a prisoner of war. Strong language here. And how would they do this? How would someone be taken captive in this verse? It's through what, they, through what you think. What you think matters. And so false teaching or wrong thinking are dangerous because they undermine your faith. They attack the foundations, poison the roots, like we've all experienced, for all of us, and there'll be times where, where we have to wrestle with times of doubt and the kind of upheaval and havoc that can cause. See to it that no one takes you captive. What you think matters. Now check out something here that, that's here in verse eight. Um, but this is 
key to theology, right? Like, key to theology is the idea of sources. Where does an idea come from? What's an idea based on? And here we find that this wrong thinking is from hollow and deceptive philosophy based on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces, what they were dealing with at that time. And we could be tempted to all sorts of different wrong ways of thinking because of all sorts of different things, cultural pressure, or because an argument seems logical. But our theology should be based on scripture and as we wrestle with ideas, we should continually go back to Scripture and ask, wait a minute, is that what the Bible says? And the reason for this is because you may find, there may be a line of thought that's logically coherent, but it could still be wrong, right? See, our basis for what we believe, and importantly, is Scripture. And, and what God teaches in Scripture is logically coherent, um, but there's all sorts of, all, man, all manner of wrong ways of thinking or false teaching that can come from many different places. So, check this out. Uh, this was previous church that I was in. There was a guy that we asked to be the treasurer, okay? Which doesn't have anything to do with what I'm about to say. But we asked, anyways, we asked this guy to be the treasurer, and he said, um, yeah, maybe, but I've got this really big question. I wonder if I could meet with Sean to talk about it. Okay, fine, right? And so we met at his house, and we had this evening, and where we spent a whole evening talking about this one question. And what was brilliant is the timing of this, because I've never been in my life been as prepared to talk about this question before or since, probably, because I was preparing to give like kind of like a mini teaching thing or mini lecture based precisely on this question and it had to do with the foreknowledge of God. Now I didn't know what he was going to ask. And in fact, what had happened is, is that when this man was at university and he was studying philosophy and he had all these different ideas that he didn't know how to reconcile, he accepted a substandard view of God's foreknowledge that then undermined his faith ever since. And when we were meeting in his house that evening, it had been decades. And as we talked and as we wrestled and as we, for him, it was like chains were falling off. It was like he was being set free because he had been taken captive literally for decades the, the next Sunday in church, he wasn't this type of person, but he stood up to give testimony to how God, what God was doing in his life because of, having, because of what had changed in him, having been set free from what had held him back for so long, right? And so we read this, see to it that no one takes you captive. What you think matters. And what we're invited to here, in contrast with that, the negative of the danger of thinking the wrong things. Actually, what we're invited to um, for all of us, what God wants for us, is laid out here, and it's absolutely beautiful. And by the way, what I'm describing here is what God wants us to be confident of. He would want for all of us to have a faith that is full and strong 
and, 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 lays, and what is laid out for us here is beautiful. I'm just going to skim through this in these verses. You can look into it more, but check this out. Look at, let me give you this picture. Over and over in the passage, we're referred to as being in Christ, in him, or with Christ. Okay? You could go through significant phrases. Verse 12 talks about how we've been buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Very significant to be identified with Christ like that. Verse 13, you've been made alive in Christ and completely forgiven. Verse 14, the, the, our sin is almost like it's been blotted out on a piece of paper, like it's been erased. And it says that it's been nailed to the cross. And then finally in verse 15, Christ's victory is described in three different ways. He disarmed the powers and authorities, made a public spectacle of them, and triumphed over them by the cross. And so for a person who is in Christ, Satan is powerless, exposed, and defeated. See, here's the thing. As a Christian, ideally, you are invited to an awareness of your forgiveness. And you are invited to fullness in Christ that many of us don't experience. And yet that's what we're invited to. And there are all sorts of things that can hold us back from that, and you need to identify those things and cast them off and push forward. It reminds me of the, um, the parable of the soils that Jesus told. Like, ideally, we would all have roots that run really deep and bear fruit way beyond what was sown. And yet all sorts of things come that choke the plant, choke the roots, that limit our fruitfulness. And so, just to, to, to bring this together, I want to take us into verses 6 and 7. Because there are some powerful things in verses 6 and 7 that can help you to be the fruitful thing that God would want you to be. To have the fullness that God would want you to have. Okay? And so check this out, verse 6. First, and the, the three things I want to take you into real quick are here are by walking, building, and overflowing. It'll make sense. Walking, building, and overflowing. First, by walking with Christ. And by this, I don't mean just getting your steps in, you know. Um, what we get here in verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. In Greek here, the live your lives in him could also be translated as walk in him. Problem is, that's a weird phrase. You don't normally walk in someone, right? Um, and so it's been, in our Bibles here, it's been live your lives in him. But what's being described here could be phrased either way, really, because it's this close relationship with Jesus. It's this image of walking with him, living life with him. So much so that we are inseparable. So that you wake up with Jesus, you live your life with Jesus, you're constantly praying little prayers, you're, that you're constantly aware of him with you. And something I've noticed is for people that have a really strong faith, they could probably tell you the story of when that switch got flipped for them, when they became aware of Jesus with them all the time in a new way. That's something I would want for all of us and something that you can cultivate. As well, for some of us, we'll look back on times when we felt like we were that close to Jesus, and it was amazing, and maybe we're missing it now. 
Again, it can be cultivated. You can get back to that. Really key for building a strong faith. So first, walking with Christ. Secondly, building. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Notice the picture here. The picture here is of, first of all, that we are rooted in him. That's the foundation. This is past tense. This is what Jesus has already done for you if you've come to faith. On top of that foundation, a building is being built. The goal here is that the building is strong. Again, remember, what you believe matters. And so the means to a strong building here in verse 7 is through what you are taught. Right? And so obvious questions are, how are you building your faith on the foundation that Christ has given you? Is what you're building strong? Um, some of you guys will know that I spent three months in Mexico helping lead mission trips. And so there's lots of preaching with that. There's lots of all sorts of things that I did for those three months in Juarez, Mexico. And one of the things, though, that I did as well, which is way out of my depth, is every day during the day I was responsible for a construction site. Okay? Yeah, for real. And what we were building is we were building concrete block homes for people. And I would get... You know, every week we'd have fresh 60 or 70 people that come, and every day I'd have like 20 or 30 people to help me build, I would teach them how to mix mortar, how to mix concrete. I know, it was baffling, right? Um, the, um, how to lay block so that it was all level. Like, there was, these were important things. With the mortar, you need to get the correct, I'll, I'll teach you guys. No, and, you know, you, get to, you need to get the correct mix of like sand and concrete and water, right? And then when you'd have all the blocks level, because otherwise a wall could fall in, at the corners you'd put in steel and you'd pour concrete into those corners. And you'd make it strong. Now, check this out. In 2010, Palmer Chichen went to Haiti and found something that was tragic. And what he found is there had recently been an earthquake. The homes that were destroyed were the homes of the poorest people. And the reason was because, although they had used concrete block, although they had done all the right things, they had saved money, and the way they had saved money was by putting less concrete into the mortar and less steel into the corners of the building because you could save money. And the building looked fine, and it worked just fine until a storm would hit, right? See, the thing is, is that with your life, with your faith, by the way, we all have faith. None of us is at zero, right? With your faith, you are building something. Is what you're building strong? Like, you wouldn't live in a home built of substandard materials. What about your faith? What are you doing to build your faith? Is it strong? So firstly, walking with Christ. Secondly, building. But then thirdly, overflowing. And specifically in verse 7, it says that we should be overflowing with thankfulness. Now I love here that you are not just a mind that processes thoughts. Your emotions are very much part of who you are. Like, let me check this out. I'm just curious. Um, how many of us would say that actually... And, and I'm, I'm going to put my hand up for this. 
that actually when I'm a bit, when I'm hungry, it's much easier for, for me to get angry. How many people, uh, confession time, okay? Yeah, okay. Good, good number of us, like hangry, right? The, um, and why is this? It's because your body and your mind and your emotions, they're connected. In scripture here, like for example here, what you think matters. But as well then, what you think should flow out in an emotional way in thankfulness. You should be overflowing with thankfulness. So that all of this is connected. And so we need to cultivate hearts that are thankful for all that we are in Christ. For all that God has done, is doing, and will do. And as our faith grows, it means we've got more to be thankful for. And so stand back from this passage for a moment. We are in a battle that is important for, for your well-being in so many different ways. And in some ways you could be taken captive, but you are invited instead into a fullness that is absolutely beautiful. And then some ways into this fullness that are really helpful are walking with Christ or in Christ building our faith in a way that we are rooted, built up, and strong, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. I pray that you would help people. Um, in fact, let me just give a moment where you can just come before God and grab onto something from what we've heard that might be for you. Father, I, help, I pray that you would help us to have a faith that is strong. I pray this in Jesus' name.